The beginning of this show does seem to have some technical troubles, but it does get better on its own somehow later on. And we're live. Well, hello, lurkers and bots. It is 2020 10 11. This is episode 26. I've got a bit of a minor change to my setup. Uh, it's going to make things a little bit difficult for me. So I have been talking in the past about the problems of needing to hear my own voice and the problems of having headphones on and stuff like this. I think I'm actually hearing the, the clicks of my headphones already when I speak. Oh, I might have to abort and stop this maybe for next segment. Wow. Okay. So what I got the parts for is to take my current microphone and dangle it down a little bit further so that I can plug in monitor headphones. Now the problem is the headphones that I have right now, they are not, they're, they're not monitor quality headphones. So they creak. I'm going to, I'm going to demonstrate that right now. Now that's, it's such a big problem that when I talk, uh, my jaw moves and these are circumoral. So they're around the ears. And some of the, some of the uh, components rest on my, on my jaw and all kinds of surfaces in my head that move around a little bit. And just that tiny bit, I can hear the creaking. And I don't know if the microphone's going to be sensitive, sensitive enough for, for hearing that. I suspect it will be because the other thing that I'm doing is I'm leaning in a lot closer. So I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to win for this. So you can turn, you can see me, I'm turning my head right now. And now I'm actually facing. So there should be a volume difference for stuff like that. So there's, there's all kinds of little nuances that I'm tinkering with. And Minion decided to not really particularly be available to do testing. So this is kind of the live testing. So anyway, I always love opening with a little bit of administrivia. Speaking of Minion, uh, when we were doing last show, I mentioned that it's getting very hard to get you to talk about anything ever. And you occasionally have these odd stories and stuff. I mean, I guess, guess we can push you in the direction of becoming more and more interesting. So uh, what I asked is that maybe if you could write down something that's interesting that you're thinking about or that you're doing, that you've heard about, that you want to share, that if you can write down something like a point every day, that way we can come into the podcast and we can bring those things up and maybe you can engage me on those things, get some opinions, some commentary, this kind of stuff. Has anything been happening with you? Did you actually write down any points? No, that completely eluded me. <laughs> you, you totally forgot. I completely forgot. Okay, well, how do we link from the to-do list concept to actually pursuing any of it? So one of the things that people do is they, so I've, I've talked about in my own time and I've talked about off podcasts and stuff like this, the notion of carrying a, a notepad and that it's, it's not so much that you can use that to write down all your thoughts and notes and stuff. There's a problem of taking those notes and putting them where they belong, like sorting them, figuring out their priority. Cause there's a lot of notes that you can take that would be, uh, they're not useful tomorrow. But they're things you don't want to forget. That's why you write them down. Now, if you're if you're a writer like me, so I've been taking notes occasionally when I've got ideas that pop into my head. So I'll pace around in my kitchen. Now I'm like I just have to reach for the nearest piece of paper and write down some thoughts. And 
Yeah, the trick is to make sure that you're articulate enough with your notes that you can fi- your future self will understand you. But that aside, that aside. The problem is, well, how do you t- make a to-do list and how do you actually follow up on it? How do you, how, well, it's just notes somewhere, right? And they could stay in your pocket or you could have them in a journal or something like that. What, um, what my, what my recommendation is, is every morning, uh, don't, don't get up and, and rush out of bed. It, man, it's, it's really weird. So when you're, when you're in bed, well, people, when they're in bed, they don't want to leave bed, but as soon as you, but you jar yourself awake with an alarm half the time and you have to, you have to rush. The idea of getting out of bed is hurling yourself out of bed headlong into your day, which is awful. Again, the morning lark thing, I'm telling you, but if, if what you can do is set your alarm a little bit earlier and it's still going to shock you awake, fine. Okay. But if you get a, get up like five minutes earlier, but don't get up, get up. So you wake up, you sit in bed, cross-legged, or your feet dangling off the edge of your bed or whatever. Then reach for your dream journal or your diary or your whatever, and review what you had written down for yourself. So your past self had some advice for you to look at, for you to think about. Now that past self might have built a to-do list for you. And to-do lists are tyrannical. So it, sometimes you put things down when you've got appointments. And for I'm of the opinion that it's a, it's a character quality to make good on all of your promises. And there are the thing is, you should not have that relationship with yourself unless you really know that you're the sort. Because some people, they have that moment of clarity. They figure their stuff out. They write their to-do lists. They, they really envision the future for themselves. And it might be a very good future for them, for their future self. But their future self is going to be, um, is going to have this great big uh, obligation handed. And you will not appreciate your past self being so arrogant as to uh, like foist this on, on you. So if you create a to-do list, you have to make sure that it's already been prioritized so that your future self only sees the stuff that is actually interesting and important. And so when you wake up, the stuff that you should be reading is stuff that should already have been prepared for you. Prepared in a sense like uh, your past self prepares a version for the, maybe it's a, a fuzzy-headed version, the morning version of you. You know you. And uh, so when you, when you wake up, don't get out of bed. Just get this thing and read it. And see if you agree with yourself or not. And remember, it's, it's not meant to be tyrannical. There are some appointments maybe that are there. But there's a lot of stuff that's going to be obvious. Sometimes you want to write down the obvious points because they're that important. But it needs to be a very clear list. So so you can omit a lot of stuff just to keep it uh, less oppressive. If it's a big wall of text, it's going to be intimidating. Okay, so you get out of bed, you've got this, these suggestions from your past self. Now you can disrespect your past self, but keep in mind that you're going to be building stuff for your future self in the exact same way. 
And you should probably like develop a decent relationship with your past self and kind of respect your future self. So you've got this baton that you're passing to yourself in the future. So some throughout the day, you maybe you'll take this to do concept, this journaling concept, and you have to create something for yourself for tomorrow. So it'll be like on the next page, you're writing down a few, Hey, you know, I didn't get a chance to do this. And so you write them down a few keywords or something like that. You push it off. Maybe it's just like you have some excuse, but the thing is you don't have enough space on a page to give excuses to your future self. So your future self is going to be sitting there like reading this going like, Oh, I was pretty lazy yesterday. Ah, past self is so lazy. Okay. So to bring it back to you, minion. So here's the thing. Um, I, so we're going to have episode 25 uh, being live tomorrow. And I've moved things a little bit closer together so that I'm able to have the previous show fairly fresh in my mind as I'm doing the current show. So, I mean, throughout this show, this is number 26, I can reference 25 pretty easily. It's in my head and it's all this kind of stuff. And so, um, there, I have an opportunity to listen to it and to take notes as I'm listening to it. Now you don't really have that, that opportunity because you're not necessarily listening to the whole thing. I mean, you're here, right? So that's the thing you take to do's, you take to do notes while they happen to you, which is fine. The trick that has to happen is it has to get from that to like a, like the equivalent of short-term memory. So when, when you wake up, you look at a list and then you build something like, oh, these are the accomplishments I want to make today. And you might write down, well, today I want to have one thought. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, this is a goal for you. This is a goal. I gave you notepads. I'm sure you buried them somewhere and just, just write down in them. You know, I, I, I want to accomplish this one thing. So uh, quick question, because it's driving me mental. Minion, can you hear my headphones squeak at all when I'm talking? Not really. So, yes, you can. No, I actually can't really. I hear, like... Okay, it, now, I don't want to hear the word really. I can barely hear it. You, so, you can hear it. Fine. So, <laughs> Not that so I'm paying end... attention to it, really. Oh, okay, well, that's the thing. Okay, so I'm I'm driving myself mental, and I'll fix this during the during the break, I think. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I've got, um, on that note, I've got another pair of headphones that I'm, I'm getting in. Um, I'll talk about that later. So what do I do? I can take these headphones out. Okay. No, no, I'm not going to do it right now. Okay. So the idea is you can think of, uh, um, long-term, short-term memory, and you can think of your notepad and your daily tasks as being long-term, short-term, short-term. So long-term is uh, not, not useful right now. It's overwhelming because you probably have a lot of life to live for with a lot of dreams. And that will just balloon as you become more aware of what you like and what you're good at. So it'll, it'll expand with all kinds of stuff. And the world just kind of moves on. So for example, your kitchen is going to get messier every day. And so it's going to be another item that gets put onto your to-do list <laughs> just because you're using it 
and that's an inevitability. So you've got this to-do list and it just gets big. So you don't really want to look at it every single day. But what you want to do is you want to have some short list and maybe you can glance over that short list and then every day you plan a few things, just a few things. For me, it's five and, but it depends on what you're working on. So I've got projects, I've got archivistic stuff. I've got a history of, of decades of stuff that I've written or whatnot that I, that I want to go through, that I want to audit, that I want to organize. I've got my, you know, I've got stuff I want to do. And the thing is I have so much stuff that I want to do that I need to just decide what stuff I care about today, which is a big problem for me. So for you, Minion, my suggestion would be to write a few things down and then just, just quote unquote, do it. So, and be reasonable about it. That's why it's such a short list. And then carry the notepad around with you and get used to the idea of, I know your excuse is, well, I need to get the kind of notepad that'll fit in this little thing that can stick a pen in because I don't like having a pen bouncing around. Like, no, no, like, uh, you can't wait. So the, the expression is, uh, perfect is the enemy of good. And so you'll, you'll, you have to VHS it cause it's, it, you have to just get something that kind of works well enough that people are okay with it. you know, so you have to get something that's a notepad and pen that work well enough that at least it solves the task. And if it pisses you off every time you use it, then good. Cause that will motivate you to improve that process later, right? It'll motivate you to so, so let's say, for example, it's really annoying for somebody to, to, uh, use like school loose leaf paper. Cause that's all they had. Well, okay, good. And that will motivate you to stop eating junk food and save that money and go buy something nicer later when you can. I mean, it, it, it will motivate you all of these n- nuisances. So like my headphone creak is going to annoy the heck out of me because I'm going to have to listen to this in post. I'm going to regret having all these little clicks. I'm going to learn this lesson for forever and ever again. Okay. Well, again, yeah. And, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll enjoy having, uh, made fun of my past self for this dumb mistake. Um, actually, yeah, this is driving me mental. <laughs> I don't, I don't have the break timer listed right now. Things are a little bit weird the way I've got this set up because I never had an opportunity to actually uh, test the way I'm doing things. Okay. So, so I'm for the first time I'm seeing the actual card on the stream. So Minnie, you did something. See, you did a thing. So you could actually talk about this thing. Did you like draw lines to get it to all line up? What's your trick? Nope. Freehand. Really? Okay. That works. Yeah. You could tell like the timers are slightly off centered and you know what? Just because of that, let's just leave it for now. <laughs> Well, I mean, you do have the ability to edit it live, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't necessarily matter right now. So, okay. So you see how iterative, iterative improvements, um, LBS made an update and actually then changes nice. Okay. So you remember how I was talking about not updating? Uh, right. So the problem is if you update any piece of software that's critical to you, it might break and you don't know how it will break. And when it breaks, it'll be when you're using it and you're using it when you're live. So it's, it's a, always a bad idea to update unless it's, unless it has, unless you have certain security concerns. Um, 
and the other problem is uh, you and me both minion will probably have to update to make sure that we're both competent at using the tools that we have same thing with audacity right because i mean that it's not so much of a concern because you're the obs guy and i'm the audacity guy technically right and separating things out lets each us each specialize so maybe i just shouldn't care what you do you do what you do as long as you have as long as you keep the installer for the old version in case something weird happens you can just reinstall the one you can trust and just keep a history of all the versions that you've had and so for example uh i'll give you an example with audacity so audacity has this weird problem with um with auto ducking which is a muting feature that you can do and it doesn't let me do a track wide so it's really annoying and if i had used this feature before and it had worked before and it was just this version that had been broken i could choose to revert back to something a little bit older and it would work well for me in in my case i kind of i shouldn't slash can't because i'm using certain macro functionality now it's brand new technology i really like I look at patch notes and I'm like, oh, this is, I can actually justify upgrading the software rather than big number good, which is why most people do all their updating. It's kind of sad. Okay. So, so last, uh, last time uh, I actually, I meant to, and it was going to be all cool and stuff because it was really recent quote unquote news, but, uh, I, I let it be, and um, but I'm not going to forget it this time. So I want I want to talk about of all things I want to talk about music. Uh, I mean I understand a, t- a tiny bit of certain stuff about the music industry th- thanks to some uh, rather revealing articles way back in the day, but um, I want to talk about um, this this lead balloon band. I think they're really popular with the stairway to heaven. I think it's called, ah, oh, whatever. And it's not very popular. And, uh, this is a thing that has been going on since the seventies. Now the actual official, there was a law, there was a lawsuit in 2014. So this is how long these people took to figure their stuff out. So in 1968, there was, um, yeah, yeah. So the, in 1968, there was a, there was a, a band called Spirit and Spirit, like you have bands that open for other bands and they tour together and stuff like that. And so it's the same kind of groups that go around and the, they might have a different set. So the different order of songs that they play, etc. but they, they come together. And so there was one dude, um, by the name of Randy California, <laughs> that's his name and he's a lead singer for the band spirit and spirit is um it i mean it was it was okay it was quality enough to go and tour with led zeppelin so they're not nobody they're not nothing they're not terrible right at the time at least and uh this is 68 now the thing is uh there's one song that they have called it's called taurus and it is a it, it I mean, I'm sure if I listened to it now, I would like it. It would be all groovy and stuff. And the thing is, there was uh, another, and it was a, a mind-blowing hit, a mind-blowing hit. So um, that Led Zeppelin came out with called Stairway to Heaven, that like, I, if, if I played a little bit of it, most people would recognize it. It's, it's an incredibly popular song, whether or not you like it 
Okay, so so the thing is in uh who when was this? It's like 2014. It's 2014 where now this is I'm a little bit confused about this. So it's the actual estate of of Randy Wolf, the uh the the owner of the lawsuit. So they uh they actually decided to try to act on the idea that when Led Zeppelin was touring with the band Spirit, they heard this song, like a lot of it, and then took elements of that song to make their own. They made a hit, and therefore there needs to be some sort of writing compensation thing that happens. Not to le- not from Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin to the actual writer, to the writer of this other band's other song, but to the estate of that guy. So what it is, is it's the estate being greedy and deciding to pursue a big band for something. And, uh, Led Zeppelin just went, no, no. Uh, and it's a really good thing because it mattered. It's a, it's a very deep problem in music that, well, okay. So we, we live in a world that is finite. I know there's a lot of people that have a hard time comprehending this idea. So we live in a world that is finite and there is technically a finite number of songs, number of arrangements, number of instruments, number of tones, number of tricks. Now it is functionally unlimited ish. And the thing is the pushing the boundary between limited and unlimited, this fuzz you will be pushing it more towards there's a limited number of songs. When you start saying this song sounds too much like this other song, therefore that similarity and you're, you're drawing them closer and closer together rather than having all. I want to interrupt you on this. Yep. So there's a comedian group. Well, there's a comedian group out there and they poked fun at there's a pop there's a popular tune and it's called the four chord or it's called the four chord and a group made a song the four coordinate group uh, four, four chord song oh yeah or four chord and they just take four chords and play it over and over again but use the artist or bands how they sing their song and and they just go from jump from one part to another and so on for about a few minutes it's that's so quite the, funny. Yeah. So what is it? A parody? Yeah. A parody. Hmm. But they say what I guess would fall under parody. I, yeah. But essentially it's all the bands are you, all the artists or bands are just using these four chords. Oh yeah. I think and I they made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like on a banjo. No, not a banjo. What the heck are they? Tiny guitar. Guitar. Or ukulele. Ukulele, that's on a stringed, it. On a stringed instrument. Well, no, no, because that's that's the thing. It's like, it's really easy to play a ukulele. All you have to do is know how to play this and this and then sing whatever song you like and just, and, and people demonstrate that. And it's absolutely fascinating. Like, I don't exactly respect the ukulele. I think most people don't. But uh, it does demonstrate that there's there's a sameness. And it's not just that there's a sameness. It's... It's, um, there's, there's a sameness in the music we like, which is kind of scary. So like we can make arguments like there is cultural baggage or something like that. 
which is which is fine um but there's uh there there are a lot of songs that are just a little similar and and so it's there is something about the audience that is drawn to certain kinds of music and i'm saying the audience and this this actually leads into something else i was going to talk about so um so i was listening to to people in the music industry because i was trying to learn more about audio trying to learn more about acoustic treatment in rooms and stuff like this and one guy was doing a long one of these like old timey dudes who was talking about audio stuff that's what he was doing the the presentation on but he had a q a and in the q a like his presentation was was over and the video was only halfway done so his q a was huge and people would ask him all kinds of stuff because this is the opportunity with this guy to actually ask stuff stuff because he his presentation was good enough that it covered a lot of the the obvious stuff like that would people would ask about the presentation's content itself so people were asking kind of off the wall stuff and some really open-ended dumb questions like how did you get into the industry and this kind of stuff if you could name x number of things that it's like okay well one of the things that he was talking about he was asked what he thinks the definition of pop music is now i personally have always thought of that um that category as being popular right i've always thought that was the short form and that does it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but there is something that's very similar across uh each let's call it generation of music's version of pop there's something kind of similar it's kind of it's not serious it's a little bit light it's a little bit all this kind of stuff and he said that uh it it isn't really something that can be defined as well as people think but but one of the things that uh kind of makes all kinds of music similar is there is now artificial intelligence that examines the music and does certain audio manipulation. So the post-processing stuff that normally a human would do, the mixing, is now automated. And that automation applied to a number of songs is what uh, those can be categorized as pop, is the application of AI. So he was saying that it's stuff like, um, well, if... if uh, what a what a normal person would do what like the audio engineer that's manipulating all the different components of a song they would they would make what decisions they could with their brain with their ears but the ai would actually make certain manipulations at the syllable level and would actually auto-tune in a sense right so we have music that would appear to be uh authentic right it's so it's not it's not the, cause there's a lot, there's a huge class of music that's just auto-tuned weird robotic voice stuff that's been manipulated and that's its style, which, you know, you may or may not like that, but that's just, but there is music, which you wouldn't, it's not presented like that, but it is edited like that for an actual album for the actual release. This is why there's such a difference between uh, stage and between, and, and like home listening, let's call it which is a bit of a shame. And it's, it's, so when you hear a, a pop musician and actually hear them live, if they're good live, it's because they're incredibly talented because the stuff 
that you might hear at home has been very heavily manipulated by, by AI. Like, I mean, literally intelligences via a computer that has manipulated it. And I didn't need to manipulate it very much because they're so talented and you know, they're talented because they're not being manipulated up on stage most of the time. Yeah, if you want to know about, I mean, lip syncing is a thing. So if, if you want to know about that, there was a band called Millie Vanilli. It's a pair of brothers. They're very popular, really good music, really good music. And the problem is, um, the singer was a dude backstage. <laughs> so they would sing live, but they would be lip syncing live. And I can't remember the story of how they got caught. It's something dumb, like the record skipped. <laughs> I can't remember. And, uh, and that caused quite a controversy. It's like, but I don't have a problem with that. I think that's, yeah, like, okay. Yeah. They were, a gr- they were at a fantastic presentation and th- it just happens to be that the, the, it, there's a separation. Like people don't mind that there's a band of five people all kind of singing. Well, and they're, it's so, okay. Well, this is a band of three people and there's, there's the guy that's singing and it's just the guy that's singing is shy and he's back there. Okay. So your point was minion, you talked about, um, the similarity in music <laughs> as revealed by the ukulele, the dreaded ukulele foiled. Now there What's interesting is because so AI manipulation of music and pop music, that genre, because that exists, it all, it reveals that there is kind of a class of music that has a kind of sameness. So you, you program certain things and the AI can manipulate all kinds of songs with that, almost as though all those songs were kind of similar. Which is true. If you've listened to a lot of music, you're going to listen to a lot of pop music and just be like, yeah, this is, (laughs) I've, I've lived long enough and heard enough pop, pop songs. I don't like most of it that. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of similar. Um, so there's an argument that, uh, theoretically there could be a lot of variety, but in reality there's less because our tastes are pretty, um, we have like our tastes are tunneled somehow. Maybe it's tunneled into these different genres that have appeared, but it's, it's still fairly limited. But the, the concern is if we admit to ourselves, I'm sorry, at an industry level, let's say at a business level, if we start allowing courts to state that music can be similar enough and we allow that to get more and more fuzzy, to make it opinion. Like I feel that this song sounds a lot like this other song. And then you use this. Well, you, so for public domain and stuff like that, you've got concepts of prior art. So if you try to copyright something that you, that you do, it might legitimately be new in your experience, but somebody comes forward and says prior art, your, your patent is invalid. Your copyright is invalid. And they, they run off because they pointed something that happened in the sixties and you didn't know. So stuff falls apart. Like weird things happen in businesses when you just get a little bit too big that people look into stuff. Um, so if, uh, if this case, this, this is one of the cases that was really important. There was another case that, who was it? I think it was Metallica or something like this. One of these bands and the. Queens and uh, I Vanilla Ice. No, no. No, I don't think it was Queens. Um, 
As well as Freddie Mercury in it. Really? Well, Vanilla Ice did. So, yeah, he changed like one little part. Or this, the wild, or the popular opinion is he changed one little thing and then. Right, right. And it turned into a hit, but the uh, but the guys that he somewhat took it off of, they didn't really sue him. Yeah. And then when somebody ripped vanilla or copied something off vanilla ice, he was all, he was in litig he was almost in litigation happy. Yeah, I mean not litig and then uh they said, Oh, wait a second here. Yeah. Or party one said that. And what half of it is is somebody who's small and greedy going after somebody who's big and successful. Uh, not exactly a jealousy thing, but it's an opportunistic thing. And the problem with that is um, I, I don't mind that that's a thing because sometimes these guys get too big and they're not legitimately getting big. It's because they, they are stealing from these other guys and they should be that that wrong should be... Well, I mean, yeah, it it just isn't right when some big band gets makes more money just because they they are legally immune from some little guy. So I understand the idea of uh, th- there's two concerns. One is you want to make sure that these little guys do have a vector so that they can attack the the whales, and th- that it is okay. But on the other hand. If it's opened up a little bit too much, then everybody's going to lay claim to, oh, well, this was my song when I, like, I made a YouTube video of that and it got like 5,000 views, but I know one of them is yours because this song of yours that came out 10 years later, uh, sounds like a lot like this. Therefore, give me money. It's like, okay, well, all of these little piranha will start coming after the, the larger songs. And I'm trying, I wish I could remember off the top of my head. I'm not going to search live. This is what Minion might have been good for in some alternate reality. But it has to do with one song. And it, it was this concern. It was the exact same concern. And the thing is, um, it was, it was a solid case. And everybody that looked at it was like, you know what? This little guy is right. That's, that is a ripoff. <laughs> that is an absolute ripoff of this other song. And, uh, but the little guy lost the case because the others had really big, expensive lawyers and we're talking the United States. So yeah, that's how things work. And the thing is after the fact, it was discovered that, um, oh no, by the way, it was from this, it was like almost directly lifted from this other piece of classical music. So, so no, no, it's, it's, they, they actually don't have claim at all like so the big the big band i think the big band countersuit or something weird like that it's just uh, it, it was a mess of of stuff just to um you know when the band is big enough it isn't necessarily they're doing that things happen it's that uh they have people on staff whose job it is to to play referee to be bodyguards for this kind of stuff so a lot of these things can get can get big, can get blown out of proportion, can get out of hand pretty easily because it's not necessarily the band's. The thing is, it's the band's name and it's the band's brand and stuff like that. And it's more than just the art, artists uh, that are in the band that have some stake in that. 
Uh, there's a whole lot of people associated with that. Um, that, that totally reminds me. Uh, I can't remember which actor it is, but it's like, I think it's Danny Trejo. And, uh, he was, he was asked why he doesn't do his own stunt stunts. So, you know, and he says, I could, I could do some of them maybe, but I don't do any of my stunts because I've got a whole lot of people out here counting on me. Um, and if I get injured, this is a whole lot of people. This is dozens of people who, whose jobs are affected. And so I'm not going to do that just for what, maybe some extra money or whatever the heck. And, uh, the same kind of happens with when you've got a brand and when you've got staff, when you own a company or even you've got stocks or something like that. So like if you're a big company and you're publicly traded, you theoretically could own things, could control things and could make certain significant changes. But there are other people who are dependent and, and they matter. So I've, I've made the argument that a business isn't, uh, in it for, uh, for profit. It's in it as, uh, the, the engine of employment for its, uh, for its staff that the business works for the staff and you, and you want to, I made the argument about a business, the, the best place to be for a business is to be able to fire your clients, to fire your customers because, uh, your staff matter more. So obviously the longevity of the company matters. And so there's a bit of a balance and all this kind of stuff. You know, why was I going out in that direction? So yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, let's just, let's just talk about something else rather than me going back to music. So anyhow, that lawsuit failed and a lot of people were, uh, were happy because that would threaten a whole lot of different songs, different bands and a whole lot of different careers. So, um, I'm more or less pleased about that. Uh, the problem is that this is American and, uh, yeah, it's really, it, it would have gotten really weird because we have, again, with the artificial intelligence, examining songs to determine it's for, it's directly for, uh, determining comfortment. So for example, if like we got hit by that on this show in one of our early episodes, we had a, it was like 10 seconds of a clip of one song that we were talking about at the time. And it didn't matter because some robot came along and went, nope. And so we had to, to scrub it out and re-upload it. I mean, nothing, nothing was done about it, thankfully. So I mean, it is, it is there, but there are circumstances where if you are big enough and you make one of these mistakes, some AI will come across, study your stuff, go, Hey, this sounds a little bit too much. The mechanics are already in place to judge music very heavily, very easily. And if this legal problem allowed little guys, allowed little guys to attack big guys, then these AI assisted mechanics would be in place to just study absolutely everything. And all of the good popular songs, and all the successful songs, they've already been uh, cataloged with this kind of technology in mind. So it would be real easy for, for people to check against a database of all the popular stuff. There would be an absolute, you know, there would be a field day uh, of going after all this stuff. There'd be a lot of people would be poised to make quite a lot of money off of doing this, even if they were like the, the legal middlemen with it, making this kind of stuff happen. Um, so 
Oh yeah, okay, so, hmm. Yeah, so Minion, you didn't write down anything, so you're not useful, as usual. Why am I not surprised? Um, yeah, okay, so, the, so uh, about writing things on to-do lists. So, I mean, have you written that down to, to prompt you for maybe tomorrow? I don't want you to try to keep things in your head, because I don't trust you to. But, but when I say something on stream, do you... Do you clickety-clack and take notes? Most of the time I do. So sh should I tell you to write things down if if that helps make sh making sure that, that you will do that? Because I can. Just change my tone to be fatherly. To be masterly. <laughs> no, you can, although I don't know if I'll listen. Yeah, this is a problem. Um... So the, the other thing to think about is, um, so for example, we do have one spam bot, um, in chat and, uh, I've, I've mentioned these before cause I've noticed these before. You can always look into them and just keep in mind that never ever associate yourself with somebody that uses something like this, even if they seem popular, even if they make promises, but you can look into what they do, what they offer, how they work and learn the terms they use and just to just go exploring and uh again 15 minutes a day hopefully longer but if you look into one of these bots and see what what they have to offer because some of them are like just join my discord community and all this kind of stuff um see see what that's like see what's in there just keep in mind that you never give them money never trust them never anything because anybody that uses a bot to try to spam for that fishes for people's you don't want to associate with that. Um, and I mean, as an, as an ethical thing, yes, but also because they're breaking the rules of, in this case, it would be something like Twitch, but it's going to happen on other platforms too. Um, hmm. I don't have a whole lot of time to talk about the other thing that I want to talk about. So Minion, let's talk about your sleep because I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, so like I said about the night owl thing, Night owls have the superpower of being able to stay up later. And if you're given too much time, so the Friday, Saturday thing is the decision to stay up a little bit later and you wake up on Saturday and now you wake up later on Saturday because you went to bed later and, uh, then you stay up even later. So you wake up on Sunday, like waking up on Sunday, you wake up at, 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 at 12 right? And so now you're wrecked. You have a less of a Sunday and you, your Monday, you got to wake up and do stuff. And if you don't have that, so uh, a night owl on a four day weekend is just going to be absolutely destroyed by the end of it. Um, so you minion, you were like going to bed at seven in the morning and then the day after at what, when did you go to sleep last night, this morning? This, uh, nine, 10, nine, nine or 10 in the morning around sometime between sometime between that or close to it. So it was even worse than the day before. I think the day before was around 11, El 11 AM. Yes. Okay. Wow. Cause I remember bumping into you when I woke up at like seven. And I even made fun of you and 
you said that you were going to sleep. I said, hey, maybe you can stay up later and just and just figure your stuff up. That was around Stuff 11. yourself out. Hmm? That was around 11. Wow. Okay. So, the, uh, the, I think the only way for a night owl to fix this is either you're, ob- if, if you're honorable enough to meet your obligations, then your obligations will force you to fix yourself. It's like, oh, I guess today I only have, you know, five hours of sleep or something like that. And you just, uh, get up and you have a wrecked day and then you go to bed early the next day. Right. Which is great because then you can be a morning lark, but not that you can. So the opportunity for you is, um, that, that you, you have the superpower of being able to stay up late. So I guess you would what go to bed at, you know, 1 PM the next day and then 3 PM the next day. And the thing is at some point you have to rein it in. At some point you have to not be a, a night owl anymore. You have to stop staying up later. Like it's a Buddhist thing. So it, uh, it's, sleep when tired, eat when hungry. So morning, like, okay. So, so night owls have a problem where they're able to ignore sleep when tired. They're able to power through that. And the, your life will be less enjoyable. And what you need to do is just recognize when you're actually tired. First off, don't eat. Cause a lot of, so I know what I do if I'm, I know I'm going to stay up later if I'm hungry and I choose to eat. Now, if I'm hungry and I go to bed, it, it might be hard for me to get to sleep. And usually it is. Um, but that's, that's, that is something I will know I will have to happen if I didn't plan my evening out well enough so that I ate at a certain time so that I wouldn't be hungry going to sleep. Um, if I, if I, I know about that. And if I chose to, if I messed it up anyway, like I chose to eat a different way, I I already know ahead of time that I've already wrecked, wrecked my life and that I've forced myself to stay up later because of, because I've eaten late. Now, I don't know how you, you work, but you might need to pay attention to what you're doing later at night and develop an evening ritual and develop an evening ritual and actually stick to it, like properly stick all the way to it so that I don't care if, if you have to be tyrannical about it to fix this. And it is a big problem in your life. If, uh, if you have to set a set of timers, uh, then, then no, going to, going to have a shower and then, you know, whatever your evening meal is going to be planned for cook ahead of time. If you have to like stop playing video games and do something else as you're winding down to go to bed. Because something like a game is engaging you way more. And maybe that's what's, what's fueling you, what's giving you adrenaline or what's whatever the heck. And that's forcing you to stay up later. Um, you need to get rid of these bad habits. And, and one of the easy ones is uh, stop talking past midnight. Just stop talking. And I will hear you every single night, always, without fail, without exception. And I can be wearing earplugs and it just, it's like, stop. So that's something you can work on is get the timing, right? Get the scheduling of your evening, right? And really enjoy getting into bed and get into bed at the first opportunity, right? So at the moment you are tired, okay, great. Like look at the time. Oh, it's nine o'clock. I guess I could say, no, no, just go to sleep. Just, yeah. Okay. So you'll wake up at three in the morning or something like that. 
hey, get up and get out of bed and see what it's like at three in the morning. And then be up for like a few hours and then go to bed for a little bit, and but only for a little bit. And you can do the biphasic thing because maybe, you know, or you can just go back to sleep and you can have nine hours of sleep or however you work, right? So my recommendation is you actually set a schedule and you you just stop the the entertainment at a certain time and you can do something else like read or something like this, but stop the excitement. As we've already established, it's not like you have people that are, that you care about that are on at a very specific time. So you have to stay up late. Like my first world of Warcraft guild was in Hawaii and the, the time zone difference was absolutely preposterous, <laughs> but I got up to go and play cause it was really cool. It was an exciting opportunity for me. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's the only time a person should be really wrecking themselves is the obligation thing. So I'm going to keep nagging you probably every single day until you figure this nonsense out and I'll half embarrass you on this show and I'll, we'll see, we'll see how you progress. Like maybe I'll, I'll set out to see if I can lose weight and if you can fix your sleep and I bet I'll beat you, <laughs> I'll beat you probably pretty handily. Jeez. All right, with that, we're going to a break. Okay, I'll see you guys in 10 minutes. Well, let's go find something random to talk about. Well, I'm back. Are you back, Minion? And I was just about to go to is. random wiki roulette. I'm going to take that as a yes. Well, you can't hear? Scene changed. You can't oh, hear. Hang on, I might not be able to hear you because of Discord. Now, there we go. Okay. Okay, so during the break, what I did is I switched out my monitoring headphones, my like incredibly amateur monitoring headphones for the Bluetooth headphones. It's, uh, it's going to be torture, but it's back the way I was earlier. I did actually order a new pair of headphones. Now, learning about headphones is, is a little bit interesting. So I had talked about well, it's, these are the kinds of headphones that I've been waiting for all my life, really. So they have flat equalizer and they're meant to do that, to have authentic reproduction of the audio that they're receiving. And this is really important for people that are doing well mixing. Um, and it's a really important for people doing monitoring. So for example, right now I'm speaking into a microphone. And my microphone has a monitoring headphone jack. It's a standard little jack and I would plug headphones directly into it. And the reason it's in directly is to make sure that there is a zero lag, a real time output from the microphone itself as an audio device, pumping it out into headphones directly with, without having to go all the way back to a computer through whatever sound systems and then generate it back out from there out into whatever audio device which generates lag in every case that I've seen. So this is very direct microphone to your headphones. And a person would need to have a very genuine reproduction of their own voice in order to, to, well, to monitor, to check on how they sound in order to do multiple takes for doing voiceovers for, you know, commercials or radio or podcasting or eBooks or something like this, eBooks, audiobooks. And so having, uh, 
having a manipulated version of your own voice pumping into your headphones is just the weirdest experience. So the mic, the headphones have to be appropriate. The microphone itself might also have to have nuances to make sure that it is particularly because microphones themselves can have weird stuff built in so that they, they essentially have equalizer settings built into the microphone itself, which I'm actually kind of offended now. Now that I understand how this stuff works, I will not go near a microphone that does that kind of thing because it's just wrong. Okay, I'll just, I'll just dive into that topic. Okay, so here's the thing. There are two kinds of experiences when recording and transmitting audio. Okay, the first is doing it real time and the second is just spooling it out to disk. And these are different use cases. And the thing is, a lot of these products, they're sold and they're not targeting a particular use case. They're just sold as is. And so a, a shopper will buy the wrong stuff. Okay. And that's kind of what the seller wants. <laughs> they just want to sell their product. They want, they, they don't want people thinking too hard about if they're getting the right one. So I, and again, when you're, when you're trying to learn something, you don't act, don't get too excited, make the excitement about learning, and then just keep learning and learning and learning and learning. And then understand that some of the, if there's money attached, some of the shopping that you'll do is going to be bad. It's going to be wrong. You're going to make some mistakes and you you just want to make sure that you do it little by little so that your mistakes are small and they're good teaching experiences. And so for microphones, microphones get very expensive. Okay, so there are two kinds. Well, there's one kind that is designed to, uh, let's say, filter out background noise or uh, to gently shape a voice that it receives to make it more clear, quote unquote clear. Okay, These things are important in the live experience because it might go from microphone out to an audience it might go out to speakers. It might go out to a stream, all this kind of stuff. So it's important to have a microphone and equipment between the voice and the listener that will improve the quality of things as much as possible. Okay. Because that's, that's the only opportunity and the other, it doesn't matter. The other, in fact, it's a lot better to have everything be as dead flat as possible for, for it to get dumped out into disk as authentically as unmanipulated as possible. And for a person to come on after the fact and do the manipulation in software, because in software I can make some changes. I can listen, see if it's, if it's right for my voice or for the room or for the situation, and then change my mind and apply different changes and do it again and again and again. But if the changes happen at the microphone level or in the equipment between the microphone and the computer, then I can't undo those things or it would be very, very hard require the level of expertise that most people wouldn't have. So it's important to have just like it's important to have nice flat headphones so you can get an authentic reproduction of things, it becomes important to have a nice flat microphone that won't play pretend like it knows what's best and so that you get an authentic transmission to disk. Now, some microphones have switches on them. 
that will let you turn this kind of stuff on and off or change the way it is. And, and maybe that's good. Maybe those microphones would work very well in any circumstance because they're going to do changes that are agreeable to most people. And maybe some of them are made for, uh, I mean, the, the less professional who don't have an ear for any of those kinds of things or who don't mind or don't know how to do the editing after the fact when it hits the disc. But here's the thing. I don't think any microphone should exist unless it's uh, th that's anything other than flat, unless it has certain considerations for uh, noise. And there's some really weird microphones for doing, um, for, for doing narration or voice work or whatever the heck in, in like the battlefield kind of thing. This stuff does exist. And, uh, maybe this would be important for doing news reporting and traffic and stuff like this. And so that's, that's a little bit different. And there's like some super cardioid stuff that's, that's out. I found a microphone that's calls itself hypercardioid. And basically what it means is you have to like chew on the microphone because <laughs> if you move a little bit, so like I'll demonstrate it right now. So this is, this is me talking head on and I'm going to move my head over here a little bit to one side. You should hear me drop off. I'm pointing my head right at the microphone now. And you're going to hear me getting a little bit better and a little bit better. And there are some microphones where the fall off in uh, volume or clarity, it just drops right off because that's how it's designed. Okay, fair enough. That, that is, that is important. But, but I think that all microphones should be flat because there are ample opportunities for either hardware or software to manage all those tweaks. Now there's, I disagree with the hardware side of stuff, but if you're live, your microphone doesn't need to do any of the manipulation. It doesn't need to be so smart because I can plug it into equipment that does EQ changes live before it gets out to the listener. And that's easy enough. That's easy enough to do. That hardware exists. It's not, uh, there are reasons to have good quality equipment and those, the good quality equipment will also have things like equalizer or other similar features like a, a rumble. So that would be a high pass filter. And so your microphone doesn't need to know any of that. It doesn't need to be more expensive. It just needs to be really authentic. So why'd I get off on that? <laughs> um, wow. Wow. Okay. I have no idea, but I, I have notes. My, my mouse has been acting up for like ever since we started this stream, it's been acting up. Like it's so annoying. It's so annoying. I have, cause I've, I've recently kind of cleaned, cleaned up my tech room. I've got like four spare mice. Some of them just aren't the right shape for my hand. So I, I kept them in a box. I'm like, okay, well th this has the right buttons in nearly the right place. It'll be a backup. It'll be a spare. And, uh, I didn't run off and pull one of them out. Cause I thought maybe I could just clean, I'd like knock them, knock it against my hand, or maybe it's the cable that's a, pulling on it a little bit or cause I, I changed some other stuff about the wiring in this desk. Um, so that's always, oh, it's so frustrating. So frustrating. Um, so I want to talk about diet some more. I've talked about it again and again and again, but it's still an interesting topic to me. Um, what I bumped into is the notion of, okay, so while well, one person was saying that they had heard of it from Penn Jillette, so he's a, he's a Hollywood stage magician. 
an illusionist, I guess you, you should say. And uh, he's he's famous because he's been he's been on TV and he's done a bunch of other stuff and and he's entertaining. He's a really nice guy, and uh, but he was he was overweight. He was a big guy. He's actually really tall, so he was able to put on a lot of weight without anybody really caring so much. And he didn't mind. He didn't care. Uh, he he had the you know the shortness of breath and stuff like this, and he didn't mind. But he ended up going on a diet. He ended up going on a a diet that was dumb. It was a really stupid idea. <laughs> he shouldn't have done it, uh, but he did it anyway while he was young enough and he could survive doing something stupid. Uh, but he ate nothing but potatoes. He ate nothing but potatoes. And uh, it's not because potatoes are particularly good, <laughs> but he ate potatoes because they were bland. They, they were boring. And uh, what that ended up um, resetting his taste so that he could return from that. So first off, he lost weight. He lost uh, almost a pound a day. Like, well, okay, your body's freaking out and all kinds of bad things are happening. And he kept it up until he lost quite a lot of weight. But then his sense of taste, his the notion of the timing of when he eats changed so that he would only eat when he was hungry as opposed to eating out of habit. Uh, snacking a lot, this kind of stuff, which what which must have plagued him. He was what like three thirty or something like that at some point, and that that requires quite a lot of effort to keep that weight up. Okay, um, so after after eating really bland and eating as many potatoes as he wanted to at any time, there not being a limit, his body's just like, yeah, you know what? I don't really, I don't, I'm not that hungry. <laughs> Uh, and he, when he came out of that, uh, that, that stuck. And so that little, that little piece of him, um, was fixed, was healed. And it takes, you know, it takes a childhood of being fed wrong and eating a lot of, of, of junk to, to manipulate a body into becoming like that. And then it just, that, that momentum stays for forever. And he had that. And he had that and he got rid of that. Now I've experienced something similar to that. Like when I went on a Soylent diet, Soylent is an engineered, like a meal replacement. And, uh, I, I, I will look into getting that shipped. I think probably starting next year is when I'll look into that. But, um, I, I have a bunch of whole food. I've talked about this stuff before, but uh, whole food, I got the stuff that's chocolate. So it's not boring and I have it that's chocolate because I think that chocolate is also a, also helps my mood. And as I'm not new, doing like uh that's not me trying to justify a sweet tooth for chocolate or anything like that. It's uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's one of the things. So it's like carbohydrates are bad. Chocolate's kind of good. And bacon is really good for, I, I still hate that. Um, and, uh, what was it? Well, where, what did I get? Okay. So I was talking about soil there's a whole food equivalent. That's just like vanilla. It's just kind of boring. It's not though. I actually kind of like it, but there's a notion of if you, if you have a, a one food kind of diet for long enough, then when you pull back a little bit, when there is actually, when you can be hungry enough or when you can have the space in your in your digestion to actually try something else, 
that's something else. The potency of it is is extraordinary. You know, corn is sweeter, this kind of stuff. Like, um, carrots are surprisingly sweet, all this kind of stuff. Oh, that reminds me. Okay, did you know that carrots are orange for political reasons? <laughs> carrots aren't necessarily orange. There's all kinds of colors of carrot. The reason they're orange, the reason that, that certain carrots were bred out to be orange, and, and the rest aren't ex- extinct or anything like that. The, that's just the popular kind that gets sent to everyone, and now everybody, everybody thinks that carrots are supposed to be orange now, so the, the momentum of that is where it's at. So big, big carrot keeps selling us orange carrots. <laughs> but it's orange because of the Netherlands, <laughs> because, because the Dutch decided that to, to kind of honor one of their dudes. The entire orange, like the color orange in the Netherlands is the weirdest thing to look into because it's all based on one extraordinarily important historical figure in, I'm, I'm not sure how, but it, it was his, it was like his color. <laughs> so a lot of stuff ended up being colored like that to honor him. It w- wasn't from his insistence and it just, it really, really stuck. Like it really stuck. So they've got yeah, <laughs> they have entire festivals and stuff like this. So yeah, yeah. So carrots are orange because the Dutch are weird. <laughs> so it's always interesting to bump into this stuff. Uh, so the potato diet thing, it, it's not a legit diet. What it is, is it's just a way of resetting a person's uh, sense of taste so that it, it 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 is normal. And so they're not hungry based on the, the the constant craving for the, the the entertainment value of food, right? And I've talked about the problem of you know life life is hard and people use food as a way of coping essentially, and there are way better ways of doing it. Like take all that money, spend it on good sheets, take it, spend it on good shoes, and those are actually joyous to have when they're good, and you can do that if if you've been spending money to cope and you've been spending money on something as transient as, as food, like that might taste good for a half an hour and then it's done. But you, you mean, you don't do that. You miss out on, let's say you miss out on several days of that, right? Several weeks of that, and then buy a nice pair of shoes and you get something better for a year. Okay. So, so it's, it's a better investment. So the potato diet is about resetting taste and it's a, it's, it's dumb. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but I was looking into that and people were, were talking about how potatoes are magical. Like, okay, well, fine. I'll look into this. And the, the notion of the potato diet of, of an actual potato diet, like these are people who are eating potatoes cause, cause that's, that's the thing. It's not like like uh, Penn was doing where he was eating it just as the, the mono food to bore, bore his, uh, to kind of bore his digestion, to change his brain. Uh, these other people are eating potatoes legitimately. <laughs> and the argument is that magic occurs if you boil a potato and then you cool it and then you chill it. And then if you, if you just have that, if you like boil a whole lot of potatoes ahead of time, then eat as many as you want. If you do that and then you put them in the fridge 
and every day you like pull some out, you heat it back up again, you eat it again. The heating, cooling, heating, cooling just applies more magic. And yeah, so I'm listening to a doctor that's talking about this stuff. I'm like, okay, well, okay. And I see another guy, it's another doctor who's bringing this up and he's just, he's, uh, he's, he's countering it. Right. But the, here's the thing. I'm like, okay, well, uh, so I went and I looked it up. I, so one of the, the, okay. So there was a, there's a notion called truthiness and truthiness is just what people agree on. Uh, it is the truth. And so you go to Wikipedia and you get truthiness for a lot of stuff. Even if you think it's a scientific point, you're just getting some truthy version of it because they don't allow experts. Like they explicitly ban experts from there. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And they'll check source. They'll have sources, but the sources will be biased. So yeah, it's, it's just truthy bull. Anyhow. Um, so this guy, uh, this guy was talking about uh, the mechanics that are happening. So I actually went and looked up the, the science behind what is happening to starch during these processes. And yes, there is something called resistant starch, which is what people are talking about gets made. If you handle potatoes is their case, but uh, other foods can do this is when the starch in the potatoes gets heated and then it gets cooled and get, then it gets rapidly cooled. It's chilled. And there's certain temperatures that matter. Then, uh, resist, then there's like a gelatinization of the starches and it turns into, and there's actually classifications of different kinds of starch. I think there's three and resistant starches are, I don't know, as I didn't look into it very much, but it's interesting to, to have spent the moment of Wikipedia time <laughs> that this d- quote unquote doctor should have, because to be a doctor, you have to actually like go to school and stuff. <laughs> so you actually have to know how to like think and learn and research. And apparently he didn't bother. He just made kind of a video and went. Now his perspective was good though. Okay. His, his science was bad, but his perspective was both well-intentioned and correct. Because one of the arguments is, well, if the starch becomes resistant starch, then the starch, which is a problem for diabetics becomes magic. And then you can eat potatoes. Then a diabetic can eat potatoes. Like, no, no. First off, cause the, so, uh, diabetes is a problem with insulin production whatever variety. So there's not the correct amount of insulin present in the body in order to consume the well, sugars that we take in. Okay. So, and, and carbs is just a hair away from being broken into the sugars that we need. And the thing is you can do anything you want with the starches, but the carbs are all there. So you, for a diabetic to eat a potato, they're going to get, they're going to get problems uh, and the problems aren't going to change just because they've done something with starch. So, so this doctor was in the right for resisting it. It's just, he was, yeah, he, he should have taken a different, uh, a different perspective. His presentation should have been a bit different. Um, cause a lot of people will latch onto one thing that's somewhat wrong and they'll fixate on that. And that will damage the 
the credibility, the plausibility of a lot of other things that are being said. I mean, uh, sometimes that's the correct thing for a listener to do, and sometimes it isn't. And a lot of people just can't tell the difference. And so if a person walks into a video like that and they've already got their bias, they'll have their aha, gotcha moment when they're listening to some part of an argument and that part is wrong, it's bad, and it's provably bad. Then they'll, they'll latch onto that and then they'll dismiss the rest because what they were looking for is some way of uh, affirming their position. Uh, so it's, they're, they're tricked by their bias. And so it gets hard for them to listen to the rest that might actually be true, good, well-researched, correct stuff. And this is, this is the case with a lot of things. So for example, this was YouTube that I was looking at. And one of the problems with YouTube is YouTube used to be a 10 minute um, limitation. So 10 minutes and people would, would, would need to work for that. These days, I think it's 10 hours. And people make a joke of that with like, this, this is the B movie. Only every time they say B, it gets sped up and they do that. And it's on loop for 10 hours straight. And it's just, or this is this popular song repeating for 10 hours. And it's okay. But back in the day, because there was a 10 minute limit, people had to be really concise. This is a powerful tool to force a person to make as few points as possible, as well as possible. So in order to be fast, you got to stay on point. You can't wander around. And if you want to be effective at all, then you have to be, it, it, it just, it's a tightrope to walk that 10 minutes and, and get everything done. And this guy had, uh, it's like 25 minutes or something like this. So he was able to talk and tell stories and he was given so much rope with this video that he, for all intents and purposes, for a whole lot of the audience that he should have been, uh, helping with this other perspective, he, he hung himself essentially with, with that, with having a video that was too long. And there are a lot of speakers that are like that, where you just give them, giving them as much time as, as they want, they'll keep interrupting. So you let them talk and they just put their foot in their mouth constantly, constantly. And, uh, but if, if you force somebody to speak and you only give them a little bit of time, if they're quick, if they're quick mind, quick wit, whatever, then they'll, they'll be vicious. They'll be really great for that little bit of time. Um, so you'll see debates that are like that, this kind of stuff. Not that we have proper debates anymore. I think the British are the only people that have debates with a, a nice, well-structured thing, just because they're, they're strange. Uh, Canada has that kind of stuff, but that would be talking about parliament and talking about parliament and debates would be politics, which I don't, I don't care to look into that stuff. Um, on to the next thing. Oh, Minion, you were in the kitchen and you, you talked about the microwave blocking your signal. Um, the earbuds that I have, they're, they're, they do the same thing. Um, that's not surprising, but they didn't do the same thing when I first bought them. So I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I haven't changed anything. So it's kind of annoying. But what I did learn. It's just one. It's, you got near the microwave when it was on with those earbuds. Well, that's the thing. I ran specific tests to see if I would have problems with the microwave with these new earbuds. 
and I didn't. I didn't just not have them. I put my phone and I walked around and I changed positions and I put my phone like right up in, into the... <laughs> That's not how it works. No, no, because I had problems with my previous headphones depending on uh, where my phone was. So if I put it on a table and I... And it is... My phone is between me and the headphones or my headphones are between... Right? There are certain things where... Uh, it would clip out under certain circumstances very predictably and under others less so. So I figured that out. But for these headphones, no. I I figured, I played and I tried to figure it out, you know, and then I, did, then I did a range check to see, you know, microwave off, and then I left the room kind of thing to see if I could go do other stuff and what the range was. And I tried all that stuff. And the headphones were were amazing in the kitchen. And, you know, adequate elsewhere. Not particularly impressive. And they stopped being like that. I don't know what changed. <laughs> it's like, like uh, my Android didn't get an update or anything like that. And I didn't change any settings as far as I could tell. I don't really think there are any settings. Um, but what's fascinating is I can actually hold my hand up to the, the earbud of mine that's responsible for the Bluetooth component. And I will cut out the music, for example. I could just hold my hand up to my head. Or I can lean back in my chair and I can like stretch. <laughs> and my hand, my arm interposes itself between my right ear, which is where the reception is, my right ear and my computer, which is over there. And, and so I'll actually cut out music when I, when I just try to like lean back in my chair and stretch. It's, uh, yeah. I, 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 this is just one of those things where if I get the next, if I get better earbuds that have a flat EQ, so they aren't bass boosted, this is one of the things that I'm going to test is, you know, can I put my phone in my pocket and still hear music? Cause I actually can't with my current headphones anymore. Uh, can I stretch? Can I have them near the microwave? This kind of stuff. But of course, it's well past being able to return these, right? The the Amazon A to Z guarantee is uh, is well over. So uh, they weren't horribly expensive. So, th and I don't consider this one of those uh, those learning lessons because they still work just fine. The learning lesson is finding out that it's bass boosted. <laughs> Um, and that, that's absolutely something that burned me really hard and it forced me to go and research different equalizer apps. And I had one that was great, kind of stopped working because probably have security settings that changed on my phone because I fiddled a lot, but I got it with some other app and so it's fine. I just, with my desktop, uh, no, I'm not going to use these. Um, and I don't know equalizer settings in, let's, so for me, it's windows 10. That's actually kind of, I briefly looked into it, but it never, it's not, I just haven't been motivated enough to care because I'm not going to use these. Oh, once they come in, I'm going to enjoy wearing the, the headphones, the monitor headphones that I've got. I hope, man, no, I decide to buy them anyway. So I'll, I'll kind of be poor for a while, which is fine. I need to stop eating junk. So speaking of doing research, um, one of the things that I have talked about recently is whether or not I want to spend money on another hard drive 
and uh, Minion and I have talked about backups and stuff like this. And uh, so I have, I've, I was balancing between whether or not I want to buy, it's called vaulting or offsite data protection. Some people would call it cloud backups, this kind of stuff. And uh, I, I went, it's a, it's a balance between that, which is a, like a monthly fee or whatever. It can get weird or just an outright purchase of a hard drive, which can be quite expensive. Uh, th they go to what, 14 terabytes now? And that's a, I think they might go to a little bit more, but, but that's a huge cost up front. And if I do that, then I have to buy a spare of those. So it's, it's really expensive. So I was thinking, okay, well, what solutions are there out there? What services are there that are trustworthy enough that I can go and I can, I can use because it would be cheaper to, to pay $15 a month rather than buy a $300 hard drive times two. So I went looking and I went looking and I went looking and I spent uh, a chunk, a real big chunk of time over two days, yesterday and today to again, because I was just plodding around blindly, not really understanding the topic at all. And until I learned the language, learned the correct language to describe what I wanted, because what I wanted isn't necessarily obvious. Now I found companies, they're like complete computer backup solutions. Now, I don't want that. I want one full, I actually tried a couple of these programs. I want one folder and now everything in that folder I wanted backed up and I want to, to go to another computer and I want to define a target directory that's empty and say synchronize and the two folders on the two computers will just be synchronized. The, the content that changes in that folder will be magically synchronized. And I just want whatever. I don't care about all these other fancy features. I don't care about the rest of my computer being backed up. Uh, I have processes in place to do other kinds of backups for my system, but for the cloud computing stuff, I want all the podcasting related audio files and all the data. And soon it's going to be video. And I don't want that pushed up to a cloud and just managed. And I'll, I'll just have like the most recent show data that I'm working with be have a copy of that here. And that'll get backed up as I'm working on it, this kind of stuff. I, it's pretty simple. But the thing is some services, they're, they're complicated because they want it to be simple. So I got one client running and, uh, it wants, it wants to back everything up by default. And I have to go in and I have to manually pick folder after folder after folder to exclude those, which is just ridiculous. And they made this software themselves. They chose this misfeature. And the thing is, you'd think that, 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 okay, that I'm being annoying, that it's okay, it's, I'm lazy and I'm, but the thing is I have to go into the configuration, click exclude, get the wrong kind of file browsing dialogue from windows. Like they choose to give me the wrong one. So I actually have to manually like unfold this computer and then drive C and then, right. And then click a folder and then click. Okay. I can't pick more than one folder with that dialogue and then go back into it and do it again. Then go back into it and do it again. And the thing is, um, if I can't tell if I missed one. And so I can go over to another tab and it builds a list of these are the things we're going to back up. 
It's like, but I can't get, see the complete list. So I don't know if I missed a folder or not and all this kind of stuff. And it, it doesn't, it's, oh, oh, the interface is so bad. So I just, I sent them a, an email to ask if, if I'm missing something. I know what they're going to say because I went looking even harder and I found their real technical level stuff for like hand editing and XML file and stuff like this, or whatever the heck their configuration is. It's terrible. It's terrible. So I'm probably just not going to use the service because it's really inexpensive. It's $6 Canadian a month. Well, actually it might be American a month and it's like five terabytes. <laughs> it's just a preposterous amount of, of space, but no, like if it's this hard to use, then no. Cause it also means if I plug in another drive or something like that, it'll automatically try to, to back all that up too. Like, no, I don't want to have to have a drive with, uh, several hundred directories on it for me to just go and manually, no, exclude this, exclude this, exclude this. Yeah. What a pain. And went to the next company over, which seems to do what I want. It's a little more expensive, but it's got a, like I follow its features and it just doesn't seem to actually work. <laughs> it's just, so I sent them an email like, okay, well, man, but the thing is I went looking around, you find these, what it is, is there's paid sponsorship for these blog posts. I've had people approach me for this kind of stuff before. So what it is, is a company is hired. That company, its job is to understand the market for its client and to do, they do searches to determine where the good search results are. And then they spam the owners of those blogs to make an article that, uh, that promotes their client. Okay. So I get these spam requests with, the, with these form letters from places from these companies saying, Oh, Hey, I noticed that you have this article talking about this. Would you consider adding a link to that? It's like, I, I just don't even respond anymore. It's, it's a waste of my time. And then they'll do this follow up and I'll, and just ignore that as well. And I don't even, uh, cuss them out anymore. I just ignore them, but I collect them just to see the trends. Cause it's, I see templates. It's really hilarious. And so when you do searches online for stuff, uh, you will find those paid for those sponsored blog posts. And what they are is they're like, oh, these are the top 10 cloud saving. And it's, it happens to be the keywords that you just typed in. So I'm like, uh, what I do like cloud backups. <laughs> and if you ever type something like best, best cloud backups, you're guaranteed to get a whole lot of junk. But I looked at one of these. I'm like, okay, well, so the first thing that happens is, you know, that number one paid for this article. So the, the winner of that list is the, is the one that paid. And, but I'll look at them and like, okay, I've heard of that one. I've heard of that one. This is probably junk, but I'll look into it and I'll look into that. And there was a mention in one of these articles about, um, how do I explain this? So every country has data protection rules that are specific. So data is a concept in, uh, it's a computer concept, but it has to do with say healthcare data. So your personal information, uh, your health history, your allergies, your right. Uh, that knowledge is a, a different class of information than other knowledge and other knowledge might be stuff that touches 
the brushes against your government. And there's certain relationships that happen and there's your bank is going to be a separate, et cetera, et cetera. So an online store and the relationship with that, with like your order history, that's one class of private, but another class of private that talks about, you know, the operations you've had or your prescriptions or, you know, your, your family history, your, all this kind of stuff that, that is a totally separate and Canada is very specific about a lot of that stuff, like very, very, and it's recognized to be passable. <laughs> I, I wouldn't consider it impressive or anything like that. Uh, but it's better than the States for sure. So if, if there are Americans listening here and you, you care about certain classes of, of data protection, hosting it in Canada and getting a lot of these protections, you're probably better off doing that, doing that. Yeah. Come give us your business. <laughs> We're better with it. And don't do New Zealand at all because they're kind of wrecked. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about the specific stuff that I discovered, but I did, I did decided to focus on Canadian backups, Canadian data vaulting that, uh, and I pretended to be a business that's, that's, that urgently requires one specific Canadian standard for data protection. And I, so I searched for that and I did actually find a company that's like, oh yeah, yeah, we ha we're certified for these things in Canada. It's like four different big acronyms. I'm like, oh, okay, good. These guys are on board. I know they're going to be quality. Actually, I don't know, but you know, whatever. But it gives me something to look into. So I've got a company in mind that, you know, I'm, I haven't made a decision yet. And all of these guys have trials so I can download the client and see what it's like. And they have knowledge bases and the thing is I'm bumping into these companies and a bunch of these companies have just pulled completely away from doing anything personal. So they're, they're business class only and they're enterprise only. And some of them, oh, one of them, I just want to fake being a business just to get their service because they're good. They're really good. And, but I know that they just don't want to deal with annoying everyday people. Like everyday people don't give them a whole lot of money and they cost a lot by requiring a lot of technical support. This is why that first company I talked about, their software was like blanket backup everything. And there's no advanced knobs to fiddle with. Not really. It's really obnoxious because they, they, they want to cut down on service costs. <laughs> well, I'm going to be more expensive because I'm a tech and I want certain stuff. Really, really. I might just go with Dropbox or Microsoft Azure, uh, is another backup solution, stuff like this, because this isn't my person, my personal data. I have some real serious problems pushing it up to like Google or Microsoft or one of these guys, uh, ho even hosting with Amazon. Cause I, I care about like my privacy, but if it's podcast stuff, it's already publicly available data technically, right? The audio is, so don't mind. Um, so if it's, if it's script data or if it's our audacity projects, or if it's a rendered video, it's, it's not particularly that important. So for it to be dumped into a Dropbox, it's totally doable. So I might still look into that, but it was interested. And as usual, when I'm interested, I just cast a much wider net and I learn about the topic and try to understand more. And, uh, it's really hilarious. Like I found one company. I decided to keep bookmarks for this. I'm not going to link them because they have, nobody should, nobody should even look at these companies. And I found one company that's, that's offering 
offsite backups and I look at their page. I'm like, okay, okay. It's a little, it's a little amateur-y. And I look down and I scroll down and I find a typo. I actually find a grammar problem, like a very specific kind of grammar problem that comes from a very specific primary language that isn't English. And I'll just recognize it. And I've talked about the certain kind of person that will fixate on spelling and grammar. I'm, I'm one of those people. And, uh, so I went, okay. And the, the big red flag, their very first, their landing page and big, big alarm rings off. I go, okay, well, you know, squinty, look at this page, really suspicious, definitely not going to, going to do business with them. I look at the bottom of the page and the bottom of the page has one of these references to the developer of the website and like, oh, so now I know that they're not legit at all, that they're just garbage. Uh, because that links to some CMS builder like, okay, guys, if you can't make your own real, like grown up website, I know you're not going to give me a grown up service at all. It, it, so this is from some foreign, foreign company trying to, and they were playing pretend like they were a Canadian company providing service for Canadians. It's like, no, no, they, they, they happen to have a shop in some in like someplace in Ontario, somewhere. Can't remember offhand, like Markham or Hamilton or something like that. And so they have an address, but I know that their staff and their owners and everything are, are overseas. And I found another website. It's much the same case where I found a typo. I'm like, no, I found a typo. No, you're done. Um, so, but that, that's interesting to, that was, that was one of the things that kept me interested in searching. And so searching for more and more of this stuff. And, uh, I think, I think I found a good backup solution. And when I, when I find it, I'll recommend it. I'll definitely recommend it. Uh, cause I have some requirements that are, you know, I'm, I'm still enough of a tech that I care about things like, like end to end decryption, all this kind of magic, all the words, but okay. So I don't know if this is everywhere. So we have a company called Staples and Staples is an office supply chain. It's very good actually. And they do all kinds of other stuff too. Um, but yeah, yeah. So they do, they do office supplies. I've ordered stuff from them online and they're actually remarkably good. Fast shipping, all this kind of stuff. There are no Amazon. They're very specialized. And I learned that they actually provide online backup. <laughs> and I'm like, the web page that I ended up finding myself on looks like it was made in the nineties and the service that they're offering is the most overpriced, underperforming nonsense I've seen in so long. It's asking a crazy amount of money for hundreds of megabytes of, of storage. I'm like, maybe I bumped into this page and it's just old and they forgot to delete it. Like, but first off, this is an office supply store. <laughs> Come on, guys. You supply. <laughs> it, it's called staples because they sell staplers. <laughs> Why are they getting into the, the, into the vaulting <laughs> business? They do not belong there. They absolutely do not belong there. So I've got, I've got a, whenever I get on one of these projects, I just open a little, I have a folder in my web browser and I drop a whole lot of stuff in there. And so that's why I have 
many uncounted thousands of bookmarks because every every once in a while I get interested in something. I'm like, oh, I'll look this up. And then I just drop bookmarks in. And I'll come back to it like in three years and half of the services are dead. But I mean, some of the research is done. So when I get around to, right, doing certain things, I will have had my past self will have fiddled around out of boredom of something and will have prepared something for me. So a whole lot of stuff that me, my present self would be interested in at any moment, I could just reach in and my past selves have fiddled with a whole lot of stuff and just been like, Hey, well, this is the stuff we discovered back then. And I'll have like a little folder of it and just, you know, clickety click, go through it. You know, it's good. It's good. I really like being able to do that, that kind of stuff. I have an, uh, I have a community of me because I constantly try to take all of these notes. So we're coming up on, uh, our second break. Uh, we're going to be back in about, uh, what, 12 minutes now. I'll see you guys soon. Okay. That could have been done better, but we're back. <laughs> okay. So, uh, during the break, I got to fiddle with my microphone a little bit more, kind of clean up how it works. What I probably should have done instead of ordering these weird parts to have it, uh, to hang it differently so I can plug stuff into the, the base of the microphone. What I probably should have done is bought a different, uh, a different shock mount, <laughs> but I don't know why I did it the hard way, but now I have all of these weird adapters. That was one of the things that really killed me early on when I'm trying to figure out like desk clamps and arms and, uh, pop filters and and shock mounts and all, all of these different things, trying to understand all this, nobody was explaining it very well. And, uh, and I, I didn't even understand how screws worked. Believe it or not, that, that was a little education I had to get thanks to an engineer I know. And so all, wait, what? I'll, I'll totally go there. Okay. So in the, let's say the camera industry and the audio industry and the lighting and all this kind of stuff, there are certain standards and they kind of articulate some of the things like, first off, it's all Americans. So we're like, this is a three quarter inch. And I don't understand what any of that means because I'm Canadian. So I pull out my handy dandy tape measure that these days, where is it? It's probably out on my desk somewhere, but it's dark blue on a black desk. So I can't see it. Um, and, and so there's, there ends up being different kinds of adapters to get these different things to all kind of clamp or screw to one another. And I never quite had the right connections for everything all the time. It was, it was bloody annoying. Oh, I'm telling you. So I'm kind of glad that I got this kit because it's got all kinds of adapters to the various different standards of stuff. It's a little annoying for one of the adapters, but, but it works. And that's how I was able to, of all things, hang this microphone a little bit lower. Um, and the reason I brought up the engineer thing is, uh, I, it's for something else that I was, I needed to understand threading. So I actually came to him. I'm like, Oh, it's over here. One sec. Okay. So what I'm holding in my hand is it's a clamp that's meant to clamp onto a pole and on the other side of it, uh, 
So it's for like a light pole. So you've got these boom arms that are meant to hold lights on one end and like sandbags on the other. And so this is a clamp that would go on the, the arm of the boom. So you can clamp a second thing, not just lights. And it's got another little shaft that you can screw something into. I'm like, okay, well, what I need to do is I need to make this into this other kind of threading so that it fits my, uh, not my microphone, but it fits my shock mount. So I like went to my friend, I'm like, I, I want to do this with it. Can, can we machine something that does this? And he's like, he's, he helped me understand that threads that, that, that there are standards for threads and that there are standards for the sizes so that if I just get the sizes of certain way, the threads are going to match because of these in industry standards. I'm like, okay, that's okay. Yeah, sure. That, okay. That makes sense. Now there is a lot, it gets a lot weirder. <laughs> I did end up learning more about that stuff because I'm me, but, um, for the adapters between all of this, the, all of the camera industry and all of the like movies and stuff like that, they all have these, these, uh, different kinds of, of, of doodads that they hook on and they're all really expensive for no particular reason. So, um, I, I actually, and this is how I was able to get my monitor arm hooked up to a shock mount and clamp a um, a, a pop filter to it and have this, this irregular sized, uh, microphone hanging down and uh, all this is, it's kind of dumb and a waste of time. And I'm glad I'm, once I figure it all out, I'll give the advice and hopefully like build a shopping list for somebody else to follow in my footsteps. Like here are the exact things that you want to get. And this is why. And if you want to go shopping for discounts or something like that, at least you'll understand this stuff. And cause that's really what I could have used way back when. But, uh, I mean, I have some limitations like right now, cause I've done tests off offline. Um, when I was rearranging some of the way this stuff works is I wanted to find out, I wanted to find out if I've got decent isolation. Now that I know that word between my desk and my, I wanted to know if my shock mount did anything really. And it does nothing. As far as I can tell, it does absolutely nothing. Like I mean that literally nothing. So this is me tapping on my desk. Okay. And I can see my meters jumping around. Wow. Okay. I don't hear a thing. My audacity really picked that up. And if I tap just at the base of the, um, the desk arm itself. I could hear that. And, and so there's a shock mount in the way. And if I tap a little bit closer, everything kind of wobbles. And if I tap like my independent gooseneck a pop filter, it's actually pretty good. I don't know even know where I got this from. It came with something else, but it's really good. I'll tap it. Okay. Now, if I top the actual shock mount, now the thing is, because the shock mount is in two pieces, one is floating and hanging by elastics. So it should be no different from tapping on the arm versus tapping on the shock mount. But this is me tapping on the shock mount. Right. And that gets, I was really gentle there because I know that's going to completely wreck my audio. 
And if I tap on the op actual mic, obviously, right, you can hear a little tappity tap, but I'm not going to persist on that. And, and due to the magic of audio, I can actually uh, perform limit and compression stuff that will see and correct a lot of this bumpity stuff. So after the fact, people won't be, won't be, uh, <laughs> their ears won't bleed because of this stuff. But so it's like, okay, well, it turns out that shock mounts do nothing. Well, who'd have thunk? Because <laughs> everybody's swearing by them. I don't know why. Because there's supposed to be isolation between the environment and the microphone. The microphone, it would be wonderful. It would just float on air, right? Okay, so, but because I understand more about audio engineering and room treatment and stuff like that, I might actually be able to properly isolate this as long as I don't bump the mic physically. I might be able to isolate this stuff. It, I would just, I would take it off of the desk and I would put it on its own stand. And I still might do that because there's some room related stuff that I'm thinking of doing. If I don't need to stare at my screen, so if I'm doing an audiobook, which I mean, I've, I've, I have recorded chapter one of my own book, I think twice, uh, but I, I, I've read it aloud more than once. And it's been rewritten, so it's due for another reading. And this is a great way of making sure that that chapter is just, you know, chapter one has to be incredible. It's really important. And speaking it is a great way of understanding how a person is going to uh, speak it in their own head, if that's the type of reader that does that. Those tend to be the slower readers, so they're kind of acting everything out in their head. So as a person reads... There, are, there is the equivalent of sounds being happening in their head, and you can actually see the, those centers in their head light up as they're reading. And these are the sorts of people that might be very comfortable. So lipping stuff silently and this kind of stuff, not necessarily when reading either. And uh, I knew one guy, he, he read, but he read in, in symbols. <laughs> I don't even understand what that means. It took me a while to learn to think the way that I do on purpose. Cause I think I was like that before, but I didn't like it. It didn't, it wasn't working out for me. So I developed this. So now I, I, uh, I, I, there is more engagement when I'm reading. I'm an exceptionally slow reader probably because of this. Well, so, I mean, I don't know how to change the way I think anymore. I'm not going back. Anyhow, this is really useful. Anyhow. Yeah. 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 So, um, I'm still, I might be in the market for a new microphone, but I'm not going to be dropping the amount of money I would need to for something reasonable. I'm still researching that as a topic. Um, I, I'm still uh, curious about how I can push quality while being very budget conscious. And that I've been told to really care about my room, to really care about the environment around me. And I think that the... Uh, the technology that let me put up a new curtain in an unusual place, I'm going to use that. I'm going to leverage that. And I'm going to put up some other curtains and use those as sound barriers specifically. And I might do some other interesting stuff to, to manipulate the, the area and manufacture myself a little room, essentially and use that as something like a booth. There are certainly some problems that I've got to deal with here. 
So right now, like I'm sitting a little bit closer to the microphone, probably not as close as I should be. It should be up a little closer. Um, that improves quality and that improves quality because I'm closer and I'm closer. And that means I can turn the gain down a little bit. In this case, I didn't. So I'm picking up, uh, I'm being picked up quite well, quite well by the microphone. I'm, I'm looking at my levels. Yeah, it's not quite as loud as I'd like it to be. But in post, what happens is because I'm nice and loud in the microphone, because I'm up closer, um, that means uh, I can, what I should be doing is I should be turning the gain down on the microphone. And that means that I'm, I'm kind of turning its receptivity down and it will hear less of everything and it will hear less of the background. And because it's doing that, it improves the, it improves the sound quality that it can hear my voice because I'm up nice and close. And it's a problem that I've had for a very long time is not being quite audible enough. And I think I've got a, I've got one of the original blue Yetis before they were cool. And, uh, I have volume problems with it. So I retired it. I might actually bring that back out and see if it's just my understanding of how audio works. Cause it's just started getting quiet all of a sudden. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe because I understand how to, to talk right into the microphone. Maybe I should be doing that. And maybe that will work really well. If that's the only way I can use that microphone. Oh, maybe that might be a curious thing to pursue. Um, but I did want to talk about a bunch of other, of, of other stuff for this segment. Um, minion gave me a great idea for fixing audio levels. I don't know that they actually matter though. So I've got this concern when doing, uh, when doing the audio engineering side of stuff. And the concern is, well, I'm producing something that is going to make it to YouTube, for example. And if a person switches tabs and they're listening in my listening case is a YouTube video, that's a music video. I want the volume level of some other video and the volume level for this podcast to be the same. I don't want them to have to fiddle with the volume of their YouTube player or their system. I want them to, to be consistent. But what is that? How do I do that? What does that mean? And Minion said, well, why not just take one of those videos, download it or whatever the heck, and then import it into Audacity and compare the waveforms. I'm like, okay, well, wow, that's, that's the first useful idea. I think probably not ever, probably not ever, but I can't remember anything else. <laughs> I'm going to go face the corner with a cap on now. <laughs> your, your dunce cap probably has like a little sweat line on the inside. Like, like one of those baseball caps that's been used all summer. <laughs> um, so I, I could, I could do that. Uh, what I ended up doing is uh, it might've been a mistake. I'll listen to it when it goes live tomorrow. So for episode 25, I'll listen to it. Cause I tweaked the audio levels. I changed my mind at one point cause I wasn't happy with it. I mean, at one point I made it a maximum of point of point 0.5, a half a DB until uh, zero, zero starts clipping and get these really weird audio artifacts. I can't really hear them as being as big a deal as other people do, but it's bad. So if you ever hear references to stuff being in the red, 
that is a direct reference in the audio industry for for clipping for that problem. And I moved it down to minus 3 dB as my target high goal. Okay, so here's the problem. Manion is absolutely awful. Um, absolutely torturous. So it's a combination of <laughs> a headset that's meant for gamers. So this is people that have uh, video game sounds going and they're speaking. And uh, so the quality doesn't exactly have to be all that. And so a lot of, and I've seen some of the, the sales videos that are pitching these headphones and they're like, yeah, you can talk in a noisy conference hall and all this. And it's like, well, okay. I, I don't really care because in our particular use case, Minion's in his closet. And so there's not really not a lot of background sound that's happening. So, I mean, if I had him out from under the stairs and there was some background noise or something like this, then that kind of then that kind of isolation might matter, but, uh, but it, it doesn't. And so the problem is, uh, the clarity of the voice, the, if it's, if it, the boom arm of a microphone is too far away, then it, there's a drop off. That's absolutely ridiculous. And that's kind of the point, right? So you've got a microphone that requires you to be up close. That means that all the sounds from further away are so hard to hear. So all that's how all the background noise just kind of fades away. The volume just drops off. This is how these microphones are able to operate in windy conditions or loud conditions, crowds, things like this. But that's not necessary here. And, and that, that advantage is actually a disadvantage here because it makes it, it makes it important for Minion to actually put, the, man, have you ever been online with somebody playing a game and, and they're talking, they're like really far away and two hours later, they're like, oops, the boom arm was up cause I was eating. <laughs> so it was up at their forehead <laughs> and it's like uh, the, the joke, it's an actual thing, but the joke is, uh, you know, where are my glasses? I can't, can't find them anywhere. And they're on the guy's forehead. <laughs> they're just like up there like, Oh sh yeah. So so that's the first problem. The second problem is there's this really nasty static that gets introduced, including pops and they're, they're actual, it's electrics. It's a, it's an actual, it's, so it's not a plosive pop, like from a voice. It's just, uh, the, it's the static shock thing that happens and that crackle, it happens a lot now, not always, but it does happen. And it often happens because I think Minion was unmuting himself at certain circumstances and that unmuting, uh, as it flips back into being active, there's some sort of problem with the electronics and it just, it, it surges into the microphone and wrecks the audio for a moment. So there's the combination of like suddenly Minion is fumbling around and chewing on his mic and then there's a static coming in. Then he kind of says something and, and then, then he's got this problem with volume. And I don't know how to explain it because I've never experienced this before, partly because I don't do a lot of audio engineering. I've only really experienced my voice and then the finished product from other people out there. So the raw audio from Minion, if I were to do tr a track wide modification, so let's say 
normalization. What normalization does is it looks at the audio and it understands the peak, so the very loudest volume and the very quietest volume, and it raises them all about the same to try to get the peak at a certain level. Right? So you might say, I want to make I want to make Minion louder because he's too quiet because of microphone issues, right? And so I'm like, okay, no problem. I just go into editing and I'll, I'll turn the volume up. Okay, and so that's kind of simulating the listener turning the volume up. You do that with him and it takes all the peaks and all of everything else and it lifts it all up. So the peaks don't clip out past, let's say 3 dB, minus 3 dB. Okay, and I do that. And it doesn't matter. And I listen to him and he's still quiet. And like, we'll be talking one after the other sometimes, right? If he talks, then you'll hear my voice will be nice and clear. And then his is suddenly quiet. And like, but I normalized it the same. Why isn't that working? And the reason that isn't working is because he has these bursts of noise and then, and sometimes it's mechanical and sometimes it's just him being like excited that he has something to say. Like it happens, uh, every couple of shows, maybe <laughs> if I'm lucky. And then he goes quiet. So it is like lion mouse, lion mouse. And he'll do that. He'll do that at the beginning of talking and he'll do that mid mid sentence. <laughs> And even in some words where he's got just, he'll, he'll talk and then he'll just, it, it's just the weirdest. And I, I don't know how to deal with that. And it's, and so there's this, there are these, like really there's these three tools that work together. So there's one thing called a limiter. And what a limiter does is it looks at the loudest part. So you, you say, well, I want to limit the volume to a certain amount. And then you have to inform that feature. Well, what do you want to do with the parts of the audio that are too, that are out above that limit? And you can say, well, no, no I just chop it off. Oh, that, that is absolutely awful audio because you'll end up with all this weird clipping. Okay, so there's another feature which says, okay, don't, don't chop that off. But if it's above, turn that part down, just take those, hit those mountains and pull them down into hills. And so you can, you can do this rather softly or rather aggressively. You can force it so that, uh, you do it gently, but it every, but nothing is allowed to go over that specified amount. So I can take minion and I can take his entirety of his voice and just crunch it right down to be about what I think should be average for him, which is less than me. Cause I'm fairly consistent. But because he varies so much, I want to have his loudest parts pulled down to just a little bit above his quietest parts. And I don't know how to automate that. <laughs> and, and thankfully, he's more or less consistent track wide. So if he speaks in segment one and he speaks in segment two, those tend to be the same. Now he takes breaks and if he moves his headset around and his microphone is in a different position, that might matter. <laughs> oh man, that's so awful. Um, so I need, I need to put like, if you've ever seen the movie, the man in the iron mask, it's a Leonardo DiCaprio in, in, and I just, I need to do that and have the microphone embedded. Like he doesn't need to, uh, have to a feeding tube or something like that. 
And uh, that way the microphone can't be moved at all. It'll just be there and then it'll be consistent. <laughs> I could do that. But, but do we have, I don't know any blacksmiths anymore. It's been a long time. Wow. When was that? Oh, he did aluminum. I guess he did a little bit. Of, anyhow. Yeah. It's probably inconvenient. Wait, I was talking to you about this. I just learned recently about a whitesmith. I didn't think that was a thing. About a wire smith? White smith. A white smith? Yeah, they handle like... It's like blacksmith, but white. And the whitesmiths, they just handle aluminum. Oh, is that what it's called? Um, No, you didn't talk to me about that. Uh, your mind is really easy to read, though. Okay, it was a friend then. Yeah, I, that's... Get out my mind. <laughs> such a roomy, roomy brain you have. You're not using it anyway. So the there are audio so you so that was one of the three things so that's limiting now there's something called compression which is kind of which is i would think of it as the same as limiting limiting only cares about stuff over the limit but compression just pulls everything down so when it sees the stuff over that limit it actually pulls everything down i think that's how it works and then there's both normalization and amplification are effectively the same thing for the way I use them. So I just started using amplification. And the idea is that you pull everything up so that the, the peaks um, in your entire track will reach that, that, uh, that specified value. And you need to do all these things correctly and in the right order. Because the problem with amplification or normalization is if you have one big, like a clap or something like that, a cough, a brush against the mic that peaks your volume to a lot. Uh, and you try to quote unquote amplify the entire track three hours later is going to be quiet. And because the, the entire track it's lifted up, that peak hits the cap. The rest of the track doesn't keep getting louder. So you see, so you can actually try to turn up the loudness of a track this way and nothing ever happens. So what you need to do is you need to limit, cut off those peaks, then, then, um, then use compression to kind of massage everything down to a certain kind of level. So you don't, you don't get those people that they talk really loud and then quiet and then loud and then quiet. You can actually force that moderation down. Maybe you don't want to do that. I do for minion. And then you can amplify it all back up again. And I'm just kind of learning that properly. And I think I do have to do track-wide processing very differently for Minions stuff. And it's just, because, oh, it is just awful. It's so awful. I need to have, like, a Minion, I need to give you a script where you just say a certain sentence or something like this. And I use that as a way of understanding where your voice is going to be. And it may or may not work. I don't know. Hopefully... When, when you learn how to speak more better, then I'll have more samples to actually listen to, to figure out how to massage all of your speaking in this way. But yeah, yeah. So, and this is why I took all this on myself because it's hard. And so somebody smart has to do it. <laughs> so it's not you. Um, what, what things have you been doing lately? I mean, you did this alignment. Have you done anything else that's, have you worked with the 
I mean, I gave you the login credentials for this podcasting uh, hosting RSS feed generator thingy thing. Have you looked at that? No, I haven't. Okay, so so for our listeners, so what this is is uh, I was correct. Podcasting isn't new. Apparently, it's fairly popular, and so there is some software that my hosting company provided, which uh, just lets us upload audio tracks and host it to them. And then it generates what is important for different podcast rebroadcasters. So apparently we don't upload to iTunes. We just give it this information and, and the information is rather specific to iTunes, but so what these, the website software takes care of that for us and other places we can also point it at our feed and they'll pick it up and make it available to, you know, to iPhones and stuff like this for their native stuff or for whatever apps, understanding podcast feeds and such. And so, so it is there. I got it installed. I got it running. Um, it's a little bit weird because one of the concerns was I'm like, well, I guess I make a subdomain to test all this on. So it's like something.example.com. Something is a subdomain. And so you can have functionally unlimited of those. So if you only own example.com, that's all you own. That's all you want to pay for. Hey, no problem. What you've got, you own everything dot example.com as well. So you can like create multiple websites. And so I, I, that's what I decided to do. And I looked into it and I'm like, oh, I have unlimited subdomains. So I can just keep doing that. That's sweet. Uh, then I checked, I'm like, oh, I've also got unlimited storage space and unlimited bandwidth and wait what hosting package did I get from these guys because I don't remember negotiating this like past self actually talked with these guys rather directly to to sort this stuff out and apparently I I don't know like I I don't have I don't have any memory I I don't remember negotiating something this good from them. Uh, so, okay, shrug. So what I'm probably going to do is pull out, pull up the, may, maybe I'll migrate all of our domain names. One of them is, one of mine is uh, going to expire in the next couple of months. So maybe what I'll do is I'll just take them all and I'll, I'll abandon my current domain name registrar. And I'll pull them into this hosting company. So I have everything under one hood because if they're going to be this good to me, then I'll just, I'll give them all my business. Hey, no problem. And, uh, so I might do that and then take, cause right now lucidindifference.com is just like a really simple couple of page with, it's really tiny. And it's just kind of this thing that was provided to me. I don't, don't really care right now, but what I can do is I can, take all that, pull that into this hosting package. Cause I'm allowed unlimited domain names, unlimited subdomain names, like, like tech functionally speaking, nothing is unlimited because we live in a constrained universe and uh, whatever, but that means I can pull that in, in, I can not just host the audio. I can actually probably host all the videos as well. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give the full quality originals or anything like that. Uh, but if we like the project files and such wouldn't be, but render it out into whatever the heck format we could, if we want to self host, it could be done. Um, 
strangely, I don't know that many people know this, but you can use YouTube as a video backup, um, as a video backup site, as a tool for offsite backups. Uh, at least you used to be able to. They might have changed. I, I doubt it. I don't know. So what happens is you upload a video to YouTube. It actually keeps the mint version of what you upload for forever. And it renders out the various versions of the stuff that it wants to provide. But you have the ability to download your original file again. So theoretically speaking, if, if there's a disaster that happens on your end, you can actually reclaim the full quality versions. So not stuff that was uh, soiled and changed to be whatever weird formats that YouTube demands, just your original version. So that's kind of nice. Um, but I don't think we need to do anything like that. I don't think we need to host the videos on our own, uh, our own platform, anything like that. But we can do it with audio and we can do it with the podcasting with the RSS feed concept. So that stuff is set up and Minion, you should be damned excited about that because what that does is that that completely eliminates one of the hurdles that you discovered earlier and that lets you sign up to iTunes. If, if you say that we can't run tests, that we need to have, that we need to start doing the official stuff, like that, it, and then you need to tell me, do we make it like rss.lucidindifference.com? Do we try to put it at lucidindifference.com? That's probably a bad idea. But I mean, whatever. If we want to get out there, we can just throw it on an act, a podcast only site. Or their main focus is on podcasts. Well, yeah, like iTunes, right? I hear they're popular. iTunes is. Whenever you mention iTunes, I'm pretty sure people think of music before. Before podcasting? Movies or before any any other, before any form of entertainment. Okay, well, that I, I don't have to care. So this is supposed to be in your lap. Okay. So all I can do is the software claims to make the, the appropriate RSS feed. And so you find whatever service you want and try this and see what happens, see what it's like, install the client on your phone, or I'll get it on my desktop, or I've got Android. So we can, between us and other people that we know, we can test this out, see what it looks like, and then improve it to make it on par with the competition, so to speak. And again, yeah, barriers gone. So we can actually migrate away from, Helk, we can migrate away from the live experience technically, but, um, but I, I like having the fixed time. I like having the live experience, so to speak. I think it's useful. I think it's also nice to have a schedule, but, um, and an audience that might come one day, <laughs> but I think maybe what we'd have to do is set the podcast up. We can, we can pull it offline for all that matters. The, the Twitch experience can be shelved and then, the, uh, once an audience is built via the podcast side of stuff, then we would have the occasional live show. And then if that gets popular, like that's how we would generate the audience is via podcasting and the streaming side of stuff would be, would take that audience and bring it right. So right now we have no opportunity of getting streaming people, not really, um, because my face isn't up. Um, 
and your Mexican wrestling mask. I'll totally get you. Oh, actually, I do have a spare Halloween mask. We could totally do that. We could have a Halloween special. <laughs> no. No? <laughs> it's great. It's a jester mask. It looks really good, actually. Like, it would look great on camera. And I got another one that actually fits my face. And I, it, so this is the one that was trapped in like customs, but in Canada. So it's shipped from Canada to Canada somehow. And it got lost in customs. I got it. And, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. However, however, you know, f in f fiddling with the, the little ribbons to try to tie it. Uh, to try to just prepare the slip knots that I have to do. I actually, uh, the glue was awful. So I pulled one of them off. I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. So I'm going to have to drill holes in it and, uh, and get it. I don't know. I don't know. Shoelaces or something. I'll, I'm still thinking about what I should be doing. I have butcher cord. It's normally meant for like wrapping meat for making a roast, but I've got that. I think I have some elastic stuff. I have zip ties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to zip. I could zip tie, uh, that mask to minion's head and then he can't complain anymore. <laughs> so I can't quite do the, not like I have a bunch of sharp objects I can cut around it or anything. Well, no, I just have to like restrain you. All you have is a microphone, <laughs> your dunce cap and your chair. Well, I don't <laughs> think you could start the streams and I'd just be there. Oh, going, mm, technicality. Mm. Yeah. I guess you don't. I mean, you still eat with your feet, but I guess you can't use a keyboard with one. I have some power. <laughs> you can let it go to your head. You got a lot of space in there. It's okay. So what, uh, what else is there? So that, that will be a wonderful improvement to see a really, really wonderful, a milestone in fact. And I'd like to see that happen before Halloween. Do you think you can do that? We're, we're going to make ourselves go maybe get Wait, repeat that again. I, I, I want to get us hosted on a podcasting platform by Halloween. That's the goal. That should be doable because I am currently in the phase of doing various things instead of just blanking out on days now. Yeah, but your sleep thing is kind of wrecked, isn't it? Minus the sleep thing, which is being fixed because I'm pretty sure I'm what made the issue of me not being able to, kept delaying my sleep shouldn't be happening as often now because I think I know the issue why well, bad stomach aches which forced me to state which didn't let me sleep oh but I think I know how to reduce it or at least not make it happen as often at night okay so upset stomach disrupts your sleep so you can't sleep, so you stay up. Yeah. Plus being a night owl, right? Okay, so have you discovered why you were getting upset stomachs? Well, something I ate, but I don't think that should happen as frequent. I checked everything, and it might have been me storing something improper, and then... But I'm going the extra precaution of putting things, making sure things are where they should be, not where I could casually store them. Okay, so I know that one time you left your cheese out for, for a long time, but and there was the orange juice incident, 
So who knows? I'm still sad about that. <laughs> no, cr- no sense crying over spilled orange juice. Um, so yeah, if if that sorts itself out, then wonderful. Um, and that will. And the the thing is, so just set set yourself. I guess your first milestone between now and the next show is tar- identify what podcasting platform you want and just find one you don't it don't there doesn't have to be a good reason for it you don't have to be like oh well i checked out the and the audience is oh and you know due to and because of growth and no i don't i don't need analysis on it just pick one (laughs) my friend says this is popular okay good enough whatever and just pick one and then maybe in the next show after uh, you'd upload a test or something like that and just make a tiny baby just please just tiny steps now 26 episodes in not including the seven (laughs) pre-shows like how long has it been it's been a long time it's been a long time okay so i'm out of stuff to talk about um I'm so excited to get these new headphones in. I'm probably not going to get them in for next show. Actually, I don't, maybe I will. I, maybe I will. No, I doubt it. Okay. I mean, I get some really weird Amazon deliveries sometime where they're, they're super fast. They're, they're suspiciously fast. And I know, because Amazon owns the world now, um, I'm pretty sure they have like storage facilities that are fairly local. And so for certain popular items or random stuff or returns or I don't know, they, they have depots. And if your nearest Amazon depot happens to have the stuff you order, it will come from there to you really, really fast, as opposed to waiting for it to come across from the next city over or across the country or China or wherever. So I've maybe I've bought some common stuff or have bought some uncommon stuff that just happened to have been stored. If you're buying stuff that isn't, um, that doesn't have an expiry date or anything like that, then, uh, then it might just be stuffed into a warehouse for, for years. And then you're just the, the one that comes across and orders it and okay, well, yeah, that gets sent out. Mm. I still have this dozen bottles of this one discontinued dish soap that I want to buy. It's like 75 bucks and I have to get it shipped from the United States. But I'm like, you know, that's actually not a lot of money. Huh. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe they discounted it for a reason. <laughs> it's like, it'd be like, like, don't buy, don't buy old baby powder. The old baby powder has arsenic in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this before. That's why they have cornstarch instead now. Uh, it's because the talcum powder or talcum powder, the the mines or whatever the heck is like next door to something or other. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. One angry mom discovered this. So she made a bunch of money. Not like it really matters because, you know, a baby was involved, but, but it helped, helped the rest of us. And thanks to a random Amazon review comment, I got to learn all this. And then I researched it myself and found the news article and stuff like this. So, so yeah. So maybe there's a reason that they discontinued this dish soap, 
but it's like they've got the rest of the lineup. This dish soap just happens to be the unscented kind. So I'm like, I can't really, it, it must be the same. It's just they added, they added garbage to the other ones to make them stink. So yeah, I'm still thinking about that. So anyhow, um, I'm pretty much out of stuff to talk about. Why don't we can end this early? Unless you want to say stuff, Minion, for once? You want to tell us a story? <laughs> no. Let's just end it. Let's... Oh, we got... There's only five... We can just call it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that was a lot of thinking involved. So we're going to have episode 25 coming up. Uh, it's going to be uploaded tomorrow. And uh, I have an intro that I made, that I clipped together. It's probably a little bit quick. <laughs> Uh, Minion, have you listened to it yet? I haven't even touched the drive yet. I was going to take care of things after this. Um, on side note of intros, I've been typing every now and then of things to say as an introduction. Oh, okay. But I think it's going to be a while before I fully get a good thought process on it. So you've been writing a script, kind of. Like brainstorming. I've been writing lines. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a start. That's that's the skeleton of things. And I thought that in the meantime, I would just... Because I decided to be wacky last show as a way of getting enough material for me to clip something together. And I did that. <laughs> I made a six-minute train wreck of an intro video. And I think it... Oh, dear. I think it works. And you're going to, you're, I'm, I'm telling you, you must upload this. And if you don't like it, tough, you write a better script and we'll do that. And, and no problem. It'll be whatever you, well, I'll, I mean, it's you. So we'll, we'll collaborate to make it improved, but, but when you're ready, that's fine. But in the meantime, well, you'll have this. <laughs> this hanging over your head and I'm going to embed it into the lucidindifference.com webpage <laughs> and, and I, uh, I will, that will be the first impression that people have. That was, that's, that's why he made it as weird as it was. So that's, uh, that will be something. I'll be fine with it then. Maybe. Yeah. This will be yeah. fine. You, you'll probably upload it first before listening to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that was fun to do. So do but do upload um the, like the clips today and then schedule the show for tomorrow if you can do that today. And what I'll do is now our process is going to be I work on the material and it's going to be ready and queued for the next couple of days and the f so number 26 today's show on a Sunday is going to be ready for um the day after next show. So it's going to be ready for Thursday. It's going to be queued for Thursday. Gives me plenty of time. Let's me process it. You know, think about it a little bit the day before and, uh, makes things fresh in my head. It gives me some inspiration. So every single show the day before I've thought about this stuff and every single show I can, I can say, Hey, if you liked this show, episode number 25 is coming up tomorrow. You can watch that. This episode is going to be coming up later. You know, this kind of stuff I can help it, it. I think it's a good plan. I think it's a good plan. So for you clips today, schedule a show for tomorrow and then pass me the hard drive back. And then I'll, I'll start my business. I'm getting much faster, much more competent, getting happy with this. Yeah. So plenty of stuff to do. Okay. Uh, 
all of you dear listeners. This has been 2020-10-11, episode 26 for Lucid Indifference. You can find us, look at our clips, look at our other shows at lucidindifference.com. Thanks for listening.